0: Well, thank you, Scott. It is uh, good for me to be back in this side of, of the world. As I was say across the park, it took me a while to get here, all the way from South Africa, but I'm so happy that I can be here at this time. I think this is about exactly two years since the beginning of COVID-19. I remember I came to the States in March of 2020, I think, uh, arriving on the... Thursday afternoon, I spoke on Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday, and the weekend retreat. And then I got the text message from someone in South Africa that said, you need to fly back to South Africa because the government is going to close down the borders tomorrow. Now, I remember sitting not far away from here from and phoning Delta, and they said the very last flight right, will be leaving tomorrow, which is Monday, back home to South Africa. And I was able to secure good seats, and I left the next day, and so for the first time ever, I came to the States and arriving and preaching and departing within five days. So uh, it was quite an experience for us back home. And then everything just kind of closed down with the quarantine, the lockdowns. And as I was looking at that, I started to realize that God has closed the door. And eventually, it led for me to be having the time that I was able to sit down and actually write some material. Because for many, many years I have been preaching and. Teaching about the connected life in many places all over the world and every time when I'm leaving someone is asking me but where is the book, where is the material that we can actually use and so I was using the time of COVID in South Africa just to sit down and just kind of write down some thoughts that was in my heart and kind of went into the publication of some material at the back of the book table, it's about six books that I was able to bring with me in my bags um, and there's a few more in South Africa. There's a bunch on the laptop that I am just analyzing at the moment, and we can also bring that over to America. All about the connected life, eventually, how to become a connected church and a leader and a coach, and how God can use that. And, and the basis of this material is all about intimacy with Jesus. Um, and I want to speak about that with you tonight. Greatly, Scott has asked me to. Talk about quiet time and generally of all things. So I was praying about this and said to the Lord, but I must lead my thoughts and my mind. What does He want me to see and to say uh, to you tonight as a church? Uh, but before we get to that, let me just explain something about the material. And then, if you would allow me, I want to take you through a simple exercise. and Then we will look at something from the scriptures tonight. And maybe continue to modernize in the second frame of mind. Then Sunday morning, God willing, I want to speak to the adult class about what I want to call the forgotten Jesus model as a teaching and maybe somehow help you to understand how the Jesus took 11 disciples and built the church of more than eleven billion, two billion 2 billion followers worldwide. And then maybe there's a message that is living in my heart for Sunday morning at worship. Service as well. But as I was writing, this is the book that came. It becomes the foundation of all the teaching that we've done in Baptist Conventions here in South Carolina for many, many years. Those that's where I met him the first time. In the beginning it was called Connecting of God," but as I was writing, it changed the word into the word of Paul that we can be and become, the followers that we are meant to be. And the basis is coming from Mark chapter 3 where Jesus was climbing the mountain and as he came down from the mountain he called the twelve disciples. In this little phrase, so that they can be with him. Before they are sent out to cast out demons, heal the sick and do the works of mercy. Our first responsibility as a Christian and as a leader is to learn how to be with Jesus not to prepare a sermon to preach on Sunday, because many guys, Scott would remember that when we talk about quiet time, they will tell you, but I am reading my Bible. I do go to church on Sunday, and I do are part of a Sunday school class, and but most of the guys are reading the Bible because they are preparing a sermon for Sunday. And for me, it's not about that. For me, it's just to sit at the feet of Jesus. And just to be with Him and to enjoy Him and to listen to His voice, to what He has in His heart for me in this given moment. I've come to realize that a life of victory hinges on three basic things. So the first one is an act, an, uh, an act of surrender, the surrender of yourself unto the Lordship of the Lord Jesus. The specific purpose in life is to make a decision only to do and to say what you've heard from Him. Which brings me to the place that you need to have a habit, which is a daily habit of sitting at the feet of Jesus and being able to listen to His voice. So this book is the result of this. It's a, it's something that the church can use at the moment. It's a cycle of discipleship that begins with being of Jesus. I uh, will spend some time with it. There's a lot of stuff inside here about a typical day in the life of Jesus, his example, of enemies of intimacy, how to hear his voice inside here. Understand how God is preparing us and sending us, that we can use as a local church. And there's a study guide and also a leadership guide that goes with that. And why I wrote this book from that perspective is the fact that I saw something in the writing of the material and my own studies so that you cannot really separate revival which is the front burner from our hearts from discipleship and you cannot separate discipleship from revival jesus himself walked away from an atmosphere of revival at the jordan river when he was baptized atmosphere of revival there were hundreds of people there in the gospel of mark chapter 1 verse 5 we read that the Bible says that the whole Jewish land was there. There was a lot of people. It would have been easy for Jesus to take the disciples of John the Baptist, who has been a already, and the crowds of people and start a movement of people that can from the Roman Empire and can change the nation, but he did not. He walked away from that. He walked away from an atmosphere, from a success story, from a crowd, from a big event because his father led him into the wilderness and eventually took him to Galilee and gave him the name of twelve disciples, the names. And so he started and invest his life in those twelve and they became the instruments of God used after the day of Pentecost. Paul, the apostle Paul did exactly the same. He was preaching in Ephesus for three months and they resisted the message and so he took the twelve disciples and he taught them every day for two years and then the revival broke out in Ephesus which is present-day they today, not far away from Kush. Aracet if you go to that area in Turkey, that you will see. So it's the same principle. So I realized something that we cannot really separate revival from investing in the lives of people. And I started to think about that from that perspective, but I will speak more about this on Sunday morning at the, the Sunday school session, just as a means and helping you to understand what does the world look like, and how you he can help local churches in America and even worldwide as well. But they have this little book. It's called Connecting Time. It's time to stop, it's time to reflect, and it's time to reconnect. Um, and I remember I wrote this book the first time in African when I was in evidence. And I was preaching there at the conference, and the guy that picked me up at the airport drove me to the place and and I remember as he was driving, he was looking backwards like this, and they talked to me. And I said to myself, I'm going to go to heaven in the Netherlands, <laughs> because at some point the traffic is getting worse and bad, and this guy is just driving and looking back. And so I told him, just look in the front; you'll be okay. You just leave me. I have to prepare for the service. And so I opened my laptop and I started to look at a few things, and I made some notes, and this becomes the outline of the book that I wrote many years ago in recounts, It was a small booklet. But in December of last year, God started to lay this upon my heart and I took some time to really just kind of put some effort in this what is in my heart to discuss the principles of covenant, the principles of learning how to be there, which is very important in your quiet time. Looking at the model of Moses that God himself gave to him, which I think is very important. And if you read this book, it's about one aspect of the life of the Lord Jesus, how Jesus had his quiet time on some information in there that I spoke about the life of Christ I look at Paul's life, George Miller one of my mentors from Bristol who died many, 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 many years ago and my own personal way of spending some time with Jesus. But this will give you a good example there's some follow up material for running on empty and the red steamer and spiritual breathing and so on that can help you to have a meaningful, meaningful quiet time and it's important to understand that sometimes we need to stop and just kind of reconnect and finding a model that is working for us. Inside the book I start with a story about three people that were, you know, on the back of a horse going through the wilderness and somehow they bumped into a, just a person that met with him on the road and he told him the following. In this journey, you will cross over a river. And if you get to the river, why don't you just stop for a moment and get off your horses and pick up some stones from the riverbed. And tomorrow morning when you wake up, you will be bad, you will be happy, and you will be sad at the same time. And so they were just carrying on the horseback, and they got to the river. Eventually they stopped, and they picked up some stones, them aside, saddled off the horse, and then they just moved on. And the next day when they looked at the stones, they saw the stones have changed and emeralds and diamonds. And they were very happy because it made them rich, but at the same time it made them sad because they wanted to pick up some more. And sometimes when I think about quiet time, it's something like that. Because I Murray used to say from South Africa that one of the great problems of the local church in South Africa and I guess also here in the States is that we have exchanged a life of intimacy with Jesus with Bible reading and prayer and going to church. So the question is not, did you read your Bible today? The question is, when you read your Bible, did God come down and spend some time with you and spoke to you? Because that's the actual question that we need to answer. If you haven't met with God in your quiet time, you've just gone through the motions of reading, of Christianity, of a religious activity that you have met with the creator of the universe. And this little booklet is all about that to help you to see and to understand something of that. And I wonder if you would allow me before we start our service tonight just to do a, a simple exercise. Just to show you how easy it is to become quiet sometimes, you can find yourself
1: in any place sitting
0: in the reception area of a local dentist or a doctor or a hospital, or maybe at the airport, some places, and you can keep yourself busy instead of watching television, browsing through newspapers. And the sad thing about this is we are so addicted to technology, we just keep on looking at a mobile phone. Did you know in the year 2019 more than 50% of the world has mobile phones and internet connection? And the average person touches his mobile phone 5,000 times a day. That's the screen. Uh, that was in 2019, and I guess this is 2022. It's probably even worse today. Uh, that's the average. So you get those guys that are <coughs> way up there, and those guys that might be below. But the average nowadays is about that economy. Spending an average of six hours on the mobile phones on a daily basis. That's a lot of time. And I remember, in September of 2014, when Dr. Blackaby was in South Africa, I drove uh, from one place to another. We spent some time as we spoke at several conferences. And together we talked about our quiet time. And then I realized I had a schedule out of control. I was too busy. And so I went down back home and I, I was praying. And then I kind of shut down. I started all the emails that I received on my mobile phone. Emails. And I canceled that. If it's really important, you will not send an email. You'll phone me. But if I'm expecting something specific, I will check my emails more often because I'm waiting for something to come in. But I don't have to receive every two or three minutes the sound of the cling cling on my mobile phone because I receive my emails. Because my ministry is worldwide. They send different times of the day and night emails. I cancel all the WhatsApp groups that are on the phone because I don't need to hear and see all the pictures of your before and after meal and the steakhouse and the it's coming from different places in the world. So I just kind of cancel it all out and create margin for myself. That at least that I can be quiet and I can walk in my own pace.
1: By doing two things.
0: And please forgive me for this very long introduction. I do this on purpose as well and so you we can literally get to know this action, you know. And by the time we get to the message that you at least understand uh, what I'm trying to say. I asked myself two questions at that time. God led me to do two things. You know what is that? The first one is to cancel all responsibilities other than God's call for my life. Because we are involved in so many things except God's call for my life. In order for you to be busy with that, you need to figure out what's God's purpose and call for your life. But because we are busy with so many things, we sometimes miss what God's intention is for. The second thing was to refuse all appointments appointments and relationships that will keep me busy and away from God's word, time of family study, and the ministry God has assigned to me. Yeah. by doing that, and the groups and the emails, I have created margin for myself. Space. Space to Operate, space to become quiet, space to have a, a slow down pace in the morning. I don't look at the laptop or the emails or the mobile phone before nine o'clock in the morning. I wake up early in the morning for quiet time. Even if I'm done with the quiet time, I don't look at that. Because I don't need to look at that. You can wait. Nothing is so important. But when I look at things like this, if you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, you find the same attitude this is what you will find in some of these two books with very practical information how to do that, where to do that, and how to walk away from the busyness of life, because there's things which is very important. When you start to understand what Jesus was actually saying to Mark, the one thing which is needful is to sit at my feet and listen to my voice. But before we get to our service tonight, I promise I will not preach to you a sermon for an hour. I want to give you a nugget because I want you to take back home just maybe a thought and then I want you to come back tomorrow night to do something more practical tomorrow night about God's voice and then we prepare our hearts for Sunday morning and we will also give some time for a question or two towards the end of tonight so don't be afraid to carry on until tomorrow morning but we'll be busy till midnight if that's okay with you no, I'm just kidding why do you take a moment? And just for a brief moment, we're going to do an exercise just for one minute, just to become quiet. There's six or seven types of exercises like this in the book. I've mentioned two, but there are more that you can play around in your mind. But I want you just to take a moment and just to become quiet. And I want you to close your eyes for a brief moment. And then I want you to somehow in your mind, as your, your eyes are closed down, just kind of roll back in your mind your day in the last 54 hours. then go beyond 24 hours to 48 hours, then go to 72. If you get to 72 hours in the next minute, that's That's not so good because then you probably have a rush for the day, but maybe that's because you are a highly spiritual person, you never know. But I want you to look back in your heart and roll back in your mind the last 24 hours like an action movie just kind of rewinding for the last 24 hours. Trusting the Holy Spirit, To remind you of all the things that you have said and done that might not be pleasing to him. And as you look back and he reminds you of something, and something kind of just pops up. Just stop for a moment in your mind, rewinding. And take a moment and confess that. And just tell him, Lord, I agree that. I was maybe impatient today, and I agree that impatience is sin, I confess that before you as a sinner and ask you to forgive me. And then I ask you Lord to fill my heart with the fruit of the Spirit which is patience and kindness and long-suffering. So if God reminds you, take a moment, agree with Him, acknowledge that, confess that, and ask Him to replace that with something, and then go on because the day is not finished in your mind you continue until i stop and i promise you will only take a minute instead of five minus ten minutes but i want you to just take a moment and and this we will use this as our time to prepare our hearts for the service tonight and we'll do that together as a group so i want you to close your eyes and allow the holy spirit as you look back in your life for the last 24 hours up to 72 hours just to remind you of all those things and take a moment and confess that before you and we start right now. You can stop? That was just one minute. May I ask you something before we continue? As you were looking back in your life the last 24 hours in this day, and just allow the Spirit of God to remind you. Were there anything that just kind of pop up that just came into your heart, your mind? that you just thought about, that you had to deal with it that more. Maybe impatience or unkindness or imbure thought or jealousy or whatever it might be tonight. Just a question. Now is the time to do what Scott has said, I see the hands wake up. So I would love to see if there's any one of you that maybe just in this one minute reminded if there's something that you kind of thought about. If there is, just show me. Spot. I want you to see two things before we continue. And the first thing is sometimes we overlook things like this, and then we go from, let's say, from today to tomorrow, from Sunday to Wednesday, from Wednesday to Sunday, when we come to worship. And, and for many really Christian people in America and worldwide, Christianity consists out of going to church, Sunday is for reading my Bible. But how will you know if you are connected and on the same level of God, if you have to learn to be connected to the one who's inside you and get to know the voice of the one who's inside you that actually speaks to you? Because He's inside us. Do you know that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin before we sin? Then after we have sinned already, He brings the feelings of guilt, take away (coughs) our peace, peace gives our business. So He speaks to you twice, connected with one sin, if you commit that. And for many people, they go from day to day without realizing this. But how will you know if you are on the same level with Him and connected if we don't take time to listen and respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Back in the day when we were driving vehicles many years ago, my father used to say, my grandfather said, Son, if there is mist on the mountain, you don't leave, don't drive. Because that means it's uncertain. It's not safe to be in the mountains if there's mist in the mountains, raining. Um, or you go through the mountain and you listen to your radio and you find that the tune goes off a little bit, it makes that sound and then you somehow you you turn the knot back that you can listen properly what it's saying. And that's what quiet time is about in the morning. It gives you some time to sit and as you read to listen and just kind of look back in your life or look forward that you can stay connected with the one who's inside you. Because we are drifting so easily away from being connected with And sometimes I would just sit in the morning in my quiet time and just kind of reflect on the day that was yesterday to make sure that there is nothing that I have missed. And that I am on the same level of God. And I want to show that to you tomorrow night. And maybe in the PowerPoint we will look at a few things that you can actually see this in actually your life on what what it looks like on a daily basis. But the second thing is, connected to this is not just to look at sin. Because you can take a moment for a minute to just think about the goodness of God. All God's provision that took place today and yesterday. God gave you a parking spot next to the entrance of Walmart that of far away. And it's raining outside. He's so happy about this. It's just the goodness of God. Or just the breath that we have at the moment. God's provision in time, financially or spiritually, when you need it at the moment. Sometimes Just a new insight that you've gained from the scriptures, and you pray about this how to apply the truth to your heart. The point I want to make is in my quiet time here, when I'm having my quiet time, towards the end of that, I've prayed maybe six, seven, eight times already instead of just once. Because prayer for me is to listen and to respond. So as I'm reading, God speaks to me, I respond. Because the creator of the universe just spoke to my heart. He just revealed the truth to my heart from heaven. And I responded to Him because He just spoke to my heart. It's not just a still, small voice, it's the voice of God Himself that spoke to me tonight. And so I want to show you the respect that He deserved by responding to that. And sometimes when you commit to sin, or God reveals something, there's always a third party involved. You know when I drive down the highway today, and somehow on the way back to the place I'm staying, I'm driving alone, and I'm speeding, and I get this conviction in my heart, and I said, Oh, please, I'm sorry, I somehow my mind was drifting, I was driving too fast, please forgive me, and I stopped down and was saying, It's just me and God. But if somebody jumps out along the road, the sheriff, and he stops me, and I look him in the eye and I say, Listen, sir, you don't have to worry about me, I just confess my sin to God. <laughs> he will just smile at you, but we still give you a ticket, alright? But there's a third party, you've got to go pay the Because sometimes when you sit, there's always a third party involved. It means that you can confess that with the spirit of life, but sometimes you still have to go and fix it afterwards to get the full picture of the peace back. Why am I saying this to you? It takes such a long time to explain this. Because quiet time is about listening and responding. It's not about prayer. Prayer comes as a result of what you and that's why Jesus is speaking to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, you are concerned about so many things. But Mary has chosen the one thing which is needful. She came to sit at my feet to listen to my voice. So, having said that, I think you should be okay now with the accent so we can get to the scriptures tonight. Is that okay with you? If I would ask you a question tonight, maybe. We can do that tonight because there are so many messages inside the book and we can talk about quiet time. There are so many examples, Um, but if I would ask you a question tonight, maybe we can talk about this. What is the elements of prayer? If God asked you a question tonight and said, desire from me anything that you want and I'm going to give it to you. Anything that you want and I will give it to you. What would your answer be? If you ask anything from me, I'm going to give it to you. The temptation will be there to ask for more money, maybe feed the ground in your business, more success, maybe more popularity, maybe good health, whatever that might be. You might be tempted to ask him for anything like that. In the Old Testament, the only person that God has given such an open invitation was a man called Solomon. He came to him, the Book of 1 Kings chapter 3 and he asked, him, he said, Ask from me and I will give it to you. And if you want, we can turn to 1 Kings chapter 3. And I just want to share a few principles with you and then we will close with that tonight. 1 Kings chapter 3. In fact, if I look at the life of King Solomon I find there's about 22, 21, 22 different things that starts in 1 Kings chapter 3 and ends with 1 Kings chapter 9 that needs to be placed in his life before he was able to have the wonderful promise of 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 If my people were called by my name and we'll humble themselves and pray." When we get to that verse of scripture as a prefix fix for revival, there were 20 things in the place in the life of King Solomon. So God was actually speaking to the repenters, needs to repent, not to the church in general, but to those who have gone into the deeper walk of God already. And it started here in 1 Kings chapter 3. And the Lord said to him, and the Lord had given the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Verse 5. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 5. I think the temptation will be to ask for a blessing. But the answer of King Solomon was staggering and unexpected. And that caused the touch the heart of the Father in such a way that he gave Solomon what he was asking for and even way beyond that. And I want us to look at that tonight. I'm going to close at the end tonight by connecting that maybe to the Lord Jesus and 1 John chapter 3. Briefly, you will excuse me if I don't preach, but I just talk with you like now and share a few things. But maybe not am going too much detail because I think if you get the points, you can make it your own in your own time. If I look at this passage, it shows me what I call the elements which is available and very essential in a life of prayer from King Solomon in that moment. Now, what I want you to see as a beginning tonight, before we read the scriptures together, is the fact that King Solomon made four mistakes in his life. Irrespective of those mistakes, God still spoke to him and blessed him. If God would deal with you and I tonight according to the purity of our hands and hearts, we might never meet with God and hear God's voice. But this is a wonderful testimony an encouragement for me to know that God, irrespective of who I am and what I do, can still speak to me and want to use me and want to bless me amidst all my mistakes. The first thing that King Solomon did, the Bible tells us he, Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, that he made an alliance with the king of Egypt against the will of God. The Bible says he married Pharaoh's daughter, verse 1, and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. He married the daughter of Pharaoh. He brought her into the city of David, the holy place next to Jerusalem where the temple was allowed was to be built. So he made the alliance. He took the daughter of Pharaoh for he was a wife. And thirdly, he brought her into the place, the city of David, which was a very special place for the Lord Jesus. And if you continue reading, you get to chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord. I just love this verse. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Solomon loved the Lord. But he made a mistake by worshipping God out of the purity of his heart but in a wrong kind of way. He loved God. So Sometimes we can do something wrong, we can make a mistake. But my heart is to show God how much I loved Him But His way of worship was wrong. I think sometimes we are drifting away from, from what God has in His heart, the intention for you and I from the very beginning. Although we love him, we are goodness, we are honest, we work hard. You know Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus walked on the Sea of Galilee. If you read John chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 14, you will find that Jesus climbed you know, the mountain. He sent them to go to the other side on the Sea of Galilee. About six o'clock in the evening. He told it to go to the other side. If I can take this little book and show you this is the Sea of Galilee, you find that Capernaum is around here my finger right here Bethsaida is here that distance is about 8 miles so he told them here to go to Bethsaida go to the other side where the Jordan River comes inside that's the destination they were going to but if you read the Bible you find when Jesus walked to them 3 o'clock the next morning 9 hours later he finds them in the middle of the sea not there or there there that's what the Bible says in the middle of the sea Three o'clock in the morning. So they were in the boat. They were making their way towards the destination God gave to them. They were working very hard by rowing against the wind, but they were drifting, of course, and find themselves in the middle of the sea. And sometimes we can even go through the motions of Christianity. We can sing. We can worship. We can show God how much we love Him, but we are just slightly. And before we know it, we default back to Christianity. How do I know that a few years ago my daughter went to the Bible school in New Zealand? And one of the key things of the Catholic Bible School in, in uh, Cambridge, New Zealand, she was there for a year in Bible school is that all the students need to have a daily quiet time early in the morning between five and six before they got the meal and then the class is starting. So she was learned and taught how to have a meaningful quiet time every morning before the, the school starts. And so she came back to South Africa, and I remember, she was studying at university. She had to leave at 6.30 in the morning to bypass the plan to get to the classes. And she was studying very, very hard in university. And she left early in the morning. And so she went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and went with the youth on Friday evening. The rest is just studies and early morning school and university classes. And I watched her. One week go by, second week go by, she misses her quiet time in the morning. And after two and a half, three weeks he told me, she said, Dad, something is missing in my life. I go to church every Sunday, I go to youth every Friday. I do read my Bible when I get the time, because the season of my life is to study, but something is missing. I said, honey, it's because you have been drifting, you are missing your Bible. But I'm reading my Bible, but I'm not connecting. You see, Solomon sort of loved God, but he worshiped at the high places. He was drifting. So there was a problem in the life of Solomon. He had the treaty, he had the wife, he brought him to the cities, he's in the house, the palace, and he was worshiping God in the wrong way, although his heart was to show God how much he loved him. That's the background a little bit from this passage, And now God comes to him and says, Listen, whatever you want from me, I'm going to give it to you. I did you to see four things. And this, this is my message for you, tonight. to mind. If you look at it, 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon said the following to the Lord. Look at verse 6. Let's read this together. He said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David my father, because he walked before you in truth in righteousness and uprightness of heart you. You have continued this great kindness to him. You have given him a son to sit on his servant as it is this day. Now, O Lord, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child to know how to go in or to come out. Before you read out, just two things. Number one, before he was asking something, he took a moment to say thank you. What do I mean by that? You say thank you for what you've done for me. Goodness, why, why, why do I say that? Because if you look at the lineage today in England, you get Prince Charles up there with his mama, and then Prince Charles and Camilla, and then you get William, and you get Harry, which is living in California, and you get all the kids and the grandkids now. and Before William can become king, his father, Charles, needs to fall away, all right, and his grandma. And then Henry has to wait till the two sons of William, somehow, will not be there anymore. So we get the Queen and Charles and then William and the two sons and then Harry and so it goes on. And if you look at the lines of King Solomon, you will see that he was number 10 in line to become the next king. 10. Adonia was supposed to be king. And so God spoke to him and said, I made you king. And so he took the time to stop and to reflect and just to say, Thank you for what you've done for me. You have made me king in the place of my Father. And sometimes when I'm sitting there, you just take a moment and to reflect upon the goodness of God, what God has done. Remember you know, John chapter 3 with John the Baptist. You know, when the crowds of Jesus was there, they started leaving to go to Jesus. Even his own followers left him to follow Jesus. He said the following He said, All things that I have has been given to me from heaven. All that I have tonight, I have received from Him. All that you have come from Him health, money, house, family, a book, a Bible. So take a moment and just to start with this attitude, he said, Father, you are good to me, the goodness of God, it's the good hand of the Lord upon me, the priest, as yes, was said in the Old Testament. This was this man he started with he said, I'm not supposed to be king, but I am, and I want to take a moment I just want to thank you for all the things that you have done for me. To realize that God is good, number one. Number two, I well, want you to see the sake of humility. Verse 7, he said, You have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. I am but a little child. He acknowledges that he's unfit. He's like a small child knowing what to do. How do I lead this people? How do I become the the leader of the nation? How do, I, how do I direct them? How do I guide them? But this is this attitude of humility. This attitude of being dependent. This attitude of not knowing what to do. What did Jesus say in John chapter 15? He said, abide in me because without me you can't do mm-hmm. nothing. And sometimes when I'm at home and I face a crisis, I pray a prayer call the prayer of helplessness. Lord, there's nothing that I can do to fix this except just come to you. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you and I can do to change the nation of America except to God us that. To change the hearts of people. The sad thing about the U.S. at the moment is 4,000 churches close every year in the U.S., new church parties are thousands, but there's a difference of 3,000. The stats show that 2.7 million people has gone. People in America has left the church in the last two years per year. That's 5.4 million people. <laughs> when I look at that, the numbers, my heart just cries out, because for it me it's the potential, because every one of that people has a network of relationships around and can impact the people, but there's nothing that I can do except go to him to get his perspective. And then simply abandon ourselves in the divine providence of God that has a us. But that's a hard attitude. You know, sometimes we are not organized and we we try to do things. But look at this man. He said, I'm a child, I know how to do this. There's no pride, there's no arrogance, there's no boasting. But look at point number three. He said, that I am just a servant. I am just a servant. You have shown great mercy to your servant David my father. Verse 6. Verse 7 He said you have made your servant king instead of my father. Verse 8 that your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. Verse 9 Therefore give your servant on a standing heart. Four times He uses the word servant. Do you know what that means? If you think about servant to serve people The Lord Jesus changes this in the book of John. He said, I don't call you servants anymore, but I call you friends when you do what I tell you to do. And he knows what is happening. If if I would take this audience tonight and say this is the sanctuary of King David sitting here on the throne and and Solomon sitting in the pew watching his father, and and all the people sitting in the throne room coming to visit his dad, and while they come to the front and kneel and gave their gifts and and then listen for his advice, that's what he used to say. But if you look at the Old Testament, you find to the right-hand side of the king, there are two or three people standing as servants. And to the left, there's two or three people standing. But it's just, they are just standing there. But if you look at them, they are standing next to the king with the expectation to listen to what is the greatest need from the king, that they can respond to the king's need at the moment. The bottom of the way those in the inner circle, can see the face of the king in a different way than you can see that from the front. They can so they hear his voice, they saw his facial expressions, they pick up his emotions, his desires. If he's whispering something they can hear, that you do not hear. One time David just simply said, Ah, oh, just a glass of water from the well of Bethlehem. And a few pick it up and then they left the fetches. You see, those around the king, servants, has a different relationship than the ones in the front, which is also servants. And that's why Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you my friends. And then he changes the word in the New Testament to become friend. So when you look at this word, King Solomon is actually saying to God, I want to be in your inner circle. I want to serve you in a way which is so intimate. I want to be your friend. What is a friend? What is a friend? Abraham was called a friend of God. James chapter 2, Jeremiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 40, 1 Chronicles chapter 20. The only man in the scriptures being called a friend of God was Abraham. Except Jesus calls us friend, Moses, a friend of God, but Abraham. When I remember a few years ago, just, just bear with me, I'm, I'm almost finished. <laughs> a few years ago, I spent some time with Dr. Dennis in in Wilmore, at Asbury, Wilmore, Kentucky, before he died. And I remember I was sitting in his room, and they gave me about 20 minutes of his time. we ended up spending four hours together, talking about four or five Hebrew words coming from the Old Testament that refer to the life of Jesus. And then, and he said to me, Franco, one of the words that staggers me is the word friend. He said, let me explain it. When I met my wife for the first time, I was so much in love. And I asked her if she would become my girlfriend, and she said, yes. And then he said, you know, after dating for some time, I asked her if she would like to marry me, and she said, yes. And so she became my wife. And then after some time she told me one day that she's pregnant and then she gave birth to my children and so she became the mother of my child. And then the child grew up. She got married and one day she told me, she said, Dad, you're going to be a grandfather." So Then I realized my relationship with my wife has changed once again because now I'm married to a grandma. That's what he told me. He said, but you know what? Ever since the 1972 revival, coming back from preaching like this, there's nothing more i like to do than take my wife by the hand and go for a walk with her, enjoy a cup of coffee and just sit and chat with her. Then he shocked me. He said, Francis, do you know why I do that? I said, no, sir. He said, I love my wife. But I take my wife for a walk because I like her. There's a difference between love and like. You know, I love all kinds of people, but you spend some time in both relationships and friendships with people that you like. Am I right? Or that you love. You always love people, but you like to hang out with people that you like. Can you imagine Solomon said to God, I want to be in your inner circle. I want to cultivate a friendship with you. I, 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 want, to, I want to hang out with you because I like you. Look what Jesus is saying. He said, I don't call you servants anymore because you do what I tell you. I call you my friends because it's nice for me to be with you guys. And for me, prayer, in quiet time, it's not just to pray. But it's just to hang out. And just to be there around the throne there. and watch the face of the king and listen to his voice and pick up the atmosphere what's the facial expressions and with this little attitude from my heart at the moment i pick up what he says is to run to go into it like Abraham to prepare the meal to be eaten cultivate a friendship because you love God I had to hang out with Him. I love Him. Why do I do that? Because I am dependent on Him for everything. And now he comes to this little point and look at verse 9. He says and with all this in my heart, let me ask you what? Because you, you asked me this question. So let me tell you what I want. Lord, would you please give me understanding heart. What does the word mean understanding heart? It is the word Libshama. You find it a thousand and seventy-four times in the Old Testament the word Shema. It is to understand with your mind and your heart. To hear the voice of God and respond in obedience the moment you make that connection. Give me a heart that can hear your voice. Give me a heart that can understand what you are saying to me. Give me a heart that is willing to respond in obedience. that, the moment you speak to me, I will do what you tell me to do. That's what I want. Because then I know I will become a blessing for the people that you have appointed me. You know, when I look at the life of Jesus in the book of Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4, he speaks about the heart I Give me a heart that can hear the voice of God. And when you speak to me, I will respond to you. Why is he asking that? He's asking because he's a young king. He's been tasked to build the temple in Jerusalem, the palace, and lead the nation, the temptation for success or reputation, the of a building project. Everything was there. But you know, I've learned, he said, I've learned to love God, even though my heart was drifting a little bit, but I, I love God with all my heart. I love to spend some time by walking in the statues of my father David. In other words, we unite the scriptures. The love relationship becomes visible in the time we spend in the scriptures, the statues of David. Although we might be drifting, we still love Him by spending some time with Him. I don't want to lose this when I'm busy. That's what usually happens when we become busy and popular. We start to neglect this, isn't it? And default back to Christianity, and church Sunday, pray meeting Wednesday and Sunday school. But that's not important, everybody says. Because we have exchanged that life with Christianity. So give me a heart that can hear your voice so clear and help me to respond. In closing, why do we need to ask that from God tonight for you before I? Let me tell you why. Because there are many voices today in this world that is directed to take your heart away from me, to distract you. The voice of a man, my voice tonight, can be a distraction. Do you know how many young people, have lost their innocence in America and the world because they listened to the voice of the young boy. How many young people have lost their innocence because they listened to the voice of the group treasurer when he stood out there to drink, to smoke, to use pot? Politicians say one thing meaning something else. You know, when I was at Auschwitz, Poland, speaking in that town, they took me the next day to look at some of those concentration camps. And I looked at them, and then I looked at those trains, the carriages that brought the people out there from all over Europe. And they told him to follow me. When they arrived, they didn't give you a hot shower and a meal to eat and give you a bed to sleep, but they were lying. They went straight from the carriage to the gas chambers. They were saying one thing, but doing something else. The voice of a man, Deception. Jesus said the number one sign was the end of the times, Matthew 24, is deception. Before the to it is deception. What about the voice of the devil? John chapter 8, verse 24, lying. What about the voice of the world, which is changing? 10, 15 years ago, things happening that well, would be considered sin. Today it's okay. That's what quiet time is all about. You sit at the feet and listen to the voice of Jesus and then respond to that. In closing did I know they respond in Luke chapter 10. God spoke to Mary in Martha at the same time, Jesus. If you fast forward to John chapter 12, you will find Jesus shows up at the same place. And I just love that first verse. He said, they, that's Mary and Martha, served Jesus. Luke chapter 10, she complained, Mary sit at his feet. John chapter 12, both work in the kitchen. Jesus said, it's the best place to be for you is at my feet, but there needs to be a balance to help your sister in the kitchen. So in John chapter 12, Mary was helping in the kitchen and then rushed to the feet of Jesus when she was done. But look at Martha complaining in Luke chapter 10, but now in John chapter 12, serving of gladness. One word from Jesus, life transforming. Can you imagine, tonight, every Christian in America, apart from church and Sunday school and reading Bible and studies and books and resources, come to a place and cultivate intimacy fellowship, love relationship with Jesus by sitting at his feet, hanging out with him, hearing his voice and responding. I want to tell you something tonight. There will not be one day between a husband and wife when there is a disagreement not fixed within one day. Because if you mess up a day and somehow you miss that tomorrow morning God will speak to you, you will go to your wife and fix it. But sometimes days and weeks go by. A friend said to me the other day, he said, I haven't spoken to my father-in-law for six months. I said, six months. Go fix it. So i closing. On John chapter 3, verse 18 to 22, with the story of the undone. When Dr. R. A. Torrey wrote the story in his book called How to Pray, preaching Sunday morning about prayer, and as he walked away from the pulpit, a lady came to him and said, you just lied to the people today. He said, what did I say? He said, you told them today, if you pray, God will answer you. You lied. He said, no, it's the truth. I'm going to say that again tonight. He said, no, you were lying. He said, what verse of Scripture did I refer to He said, 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 to 20. He said, would you read that for me? He said, there it is. Whatever we ask from God, we will receive. He said, no, read the whole verse for me. Whatever we ask from God, we receive. If we obey His commandments and do all those things which are pleasing into His sight. Two things. See, let me ask you something, he said. Do you obey God's commandments? You see, what do you mean? Jesus said, "If you abide in me my words in you, you'll ask whatever you want." Do you read this book and obey this book? She said, "No." He said, "Then God cannot answer your prayer." He said, "The second thing is, do you always do those things which are pleasing to you that makes you happy, puts a smile on his face?" He said, "No." He said, "Then God cannot hear your prayer." Whatever you ask, God said, to "Solomon." Now, oh, Jesus comes in 1 John chapter 3 whatever you ask, I'm going to give to you if you put a smile on my face. Friends want to make friends happy, spend time. beginning of the service tonight we have taken a moment just to look back in this day for 24 hours just allowing your spirit to remind us maybe about those things that we have said and done that maybe that we have made a mistake or even drifted but those are the things that is not pleasing to you moment. And Father, sometimes we miss that because we are so busy. Our minds are filled with concerns and worries and anxiety and fear and panic. But you know that in case we've missed out something today, that tomorrow morning, as we sit at your feet to have our quiet time, then you will speak to us about that. And as we listen, we can confess, we can ask forgiveness, we can respond, we can go fix it. And we can be on the right track once again. If we have made a decision, Father, just like Daniel said that I have decided not to defile myself on the foot of the King. He made a decision about that. Paul says, I want to be nothing else except Him and crucified. Joshua said the same thing, but for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. As when we walk away from the busyness of life, become intentional, to learn how to sit and to listen, that we would receive a blessing, Jesus said, that cannot be taken away from us. And so, Father, I pray tonight for myself and for each and every one of us here. That you would help us to cultivate a friendship, a love relationship, but a friendship. And to be in the inner circle and to be close to you and to listen and to watch your face. But with a heart attitude to respond in obedience. Because we are dependent on you for everything that we need on a daily basis. We are just a mere child. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness, your love, your kindness that you have bestowed upon each and every one of us until this moment. All the things that we have, we have received from you. And so now I pray and ask you, Lord, that you would help us to have an understanding heart that is so in tune that when you speak to us, that we will pick it up immediately. And understand the truth that you brought to our hearts. And help us to respond to that. May it please you to find within each and every one of us tonight a vessel that you can bless and use for your purpose and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.